you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I want to ride my bicycle, I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle, I want to ride it where I like. What's up, guys? You say red, I say blue, you say white, I say Jeskai! How's it going, everybody? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. And I'm Craig Blanchett, <laughs> Mr. Infect here, Mr. filling in for Infect. Josh Lee Kwai. That's right. We have a really, really busy month at the office, and we're trying to cram everything we uh, can in to these episodes because the biggest month is ahead of us. That's right. Commander Precons are here from Ikoria, and I'm really, really excited because that means we get five brand new decks, five brand new commanders, actually more like 20 brand new commanders, and plenty of fun toys to play with. And these are our deck upgrade episodes where we're going to take 10 cards in and put 10 cards, uh, take 10 cards out and put 10 cards in for easy, quick upgrades. But before we get into it, this show is brought to you by cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Card Kingdom has been a place that Craig and I have been ordering from for years now. Years and They years. provide all of the singles, sleeves, cards, sealed product, anything you might want to bolster your magic collection or pick up some of these Ikoria pre-cons, please visit the link at command, uh, cardkingdom.com slash command zone and yeah, you're a lot all of, set uh, to go. A lot of staples have gone down ever since those mystery boosters have been printed. So yes, very exciting. Thank goodness for that. I'm really happy to see that the coalition has allowed for more mana crypts to be let into the world so that we can finally get some for ourselves. Yes, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You can also support the show by buying Ultra Pro products. If you need to buy a mana crypt, you don't want that card to get dinged up in fact, you want to put it directly into an Ultra Pro sleeve. We've been using Ultra Pro sleeves for a very, very long time. Craig has like, what, 30, 40 decks? And All some of Ultra them Pros. are still in old, old Ultra Pros from years ago. And yeah, still shuffle some like of magic. them are. They're definitely, I have some definitely that are sleeved up from eight years ago, so... Yeah, eight years of sleeves being shuffled up, and they still work as well as the first day that we bought them. So please support us also by buying Ultra Pro products. And finally, the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. You can chat with me and Josh on the Discord. We are there every single day, and we have tons and tons of fun answering questions and doing all that good stuff. And today's episode, we shout out one lucky patron every single week. And today's episode is brought to you by... Sean Skinner. Sean, you want to say the honors? Yeah, you rock, man. You rock, man. Okay, we are super busy. That's why we have Craig in today. Josh is busy editing game nights. So we're going to break down the Jeskai Gavi Nest Warden uh, Timeless Wisdom deck. Again, a lot of bonus content this month. So make sure you head on over to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast and hit that subscribe button and hit the little notification bell. So you can see all the hard work that Craig, our editors and everyone else is putting in. We've uh, been sending these decks around and Craig, it's pretty exciting. You guys get to look at them and say, Hey, this is what we want to put into the deck and give us your ideas as well, because we don't have the internet to go off at this time. We're doing these so early in advance 
that yeah. we're kind of just shooting in the dark. And thank goodness we built up the team a little bit because Manson Lung has been a huge help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashlyn Rose has been a huge help. Brittany from Lady Danger has been a huge help. So yeah. it's been great having yeah. everyone's voices being able to contribute. So before we get into it, there are four brand new commanders in this set. Let's begin by reading Gavi Nesswarden. All right, Gavi Nesswarden, the commander in front of the box of Timeless Wisdom, is two, a blue, red, and a white for a legendary creature, Human Shaman 2-5. And it says, you may pay zero mana rather than pay the cycling cost of the first card you cycle each turn. Hmm, pretty good. And also, whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 red and white dinosaur cat creature token. I don't know if you've seen these tokens, but they may be the cutest tokens that Wizards has ever printed. They're amazing. Yeah. Paying zero for your first cycle cost each turn means you can do it on your turn and everyone else's turn around the table. And if you happen to draw two cards that turn, like you will during your own turn, including your own draw step, you get to make a 2-2 token for just absolutely free. This card is obviously incredibly powerful. I'm really excited uh, because I think it's pretty obvious that this is going to be the commander that we put in front of our deck when we upgrade it but we'll talk about that in a little bit all right the value engine there is insane yeah it's nuts uh another commander that i think is also pretty good but more of a build around is akeem the soaring wind it's two jeskai for a flying three four when you create one or more tokens for the first time each turn create a one one bird token with flying and then for three and jeskai repeatable you can have, I don't know why you'd want this to be repeatable, but you could. <laughs> Creature tokens you control gain double strike until end of turn. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, f- the foreboding quadruple strike, which doesn't exist <laughs> in Magic. You'd also have to pay six mana for it. So that's actually really interesting. It synergizes quite well with Gavi because you're creating tokens, and every single time you create a token, you also get a free 1-1 one, one white bird creature token. That's pretty good. I'm always excited when you get to see cards that uh, benefit sort of the token thing. You know, there's we've seen some Jeskai cards in the past do this, but this is, you know, another option. Slightly more expensive at five mana, but synergized with the other parts of the deck and double striking on your creatures is pretty scary. I think Akeem's going to be best friends with Kaikar too. Yes, Kaikar and Akeem. Their names even kind of sound similar. Yeah, kind of. All right, next up we have the partner pairing. So each of the commander decks this year has two standalone legendary creature commanders as well as two that can be partnered with each other which means that both of these can be put into the command zone together as your as your uh, your commanders we have brawlin sky shark rider three in red for a three three he partners with shabraz the sky shark so when either of those creatures enters the battlefield a target player can put shabraz or uh Brallin into their hand from their library and then you shuffle it so basically you put it down and can fetch the other one out of the library if it's in your command zone this doesn't apply uh, Brallin says, whenever you discard a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Brallin, and it deals one damage to each opponent. And for a red mana, target Shark gains Trample until end of turn. Now, we talked about this card. It was our preview card uh, this year, and there's lots of different ways to use the discard a card dealing a damage to every single person. But obviously, with cycling, you discard a card as part of the cost, so Brallin will do damage, and it's going to grow and grow and grow. And it's going to also be able to give Trample to a Shark, which is... Shabraz, the Sky Shark, three and absent or three and white blue, almost absent, almost, almost absent. yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. not really. <laughs> uh, for a partner with Braylon, Sky Shark Rider, uh, flying three three. Whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Shabraz, the Sky Shark, and you gain one life. And then for hybrid white or blue, target human gains flying until end of turn. All right, so they both benefit each other. Brallin gives the shark trample, and the shark gives Brallin flying, obviously, because it's not a land shark, it's a sky shark. 
All pretty interesting cards. I really do think you could build an interesting deck around any of these. Uh, Gavi, by far, I think on the face, just has the most raw power because it says you may pay zero. And that those words alone are pretty exciting. So before we get into the meat of the deck tech, let's do our... Stats. Good toss. Oh, no! My name is back on the table. It never happens. That's oh. all right. It's good luck. It's good all luck. All right, so there are 26 new cards in the deck. 59 of those are reprints, and 15 of those are also basic lands, which ends up being 74 reprints plus 26. You got 100 cards. So let's look deep into the stats. Craig, take it away. Sure. So for ramp, we have 11 and a half, kind of. We're counting uh, uh, Temple of the False God as kind of a half a land. Um, Sometimes we'll, not even a land. True, true. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. We've got a little surprise for that later. Uh, card draw, we've got eight. Um, so pretty good. We're not including the cycling cards here, but eight, you know, regular draw cards is actually pretty statistically all right. Board wipes, we're looking at five. So kind of above the average. Yeah, above the average of the other precons for sure. Some of them have been sitting around three to four. Right. Uh, targeted removal, seven. So they're starting to increase that a little bit. And cycling cards, 31, wow. which is awesome. I mean, they really leaned into this commander, obviously, to make sure that right out of the box, you have something that functions. Yeah. You know, that's roughly one third of the cards, which is what you want in a themed deck. Not just that, it's half the playable cards because you're going to have 36 to 37, 38 lands in every single deck. Right. Um, notably, they also did in the Jeskai deck three of all of this, one of every signet that can fit into the deck, uh, which to me is really great because I love the signets and I think they have a place in every other deck in your commander arsenal. But also importantly, red, white, and blue don't have access to a lot of great ramp. So those are awesome um, ads as well. Yeah, in Jeskai, those are pretty much the best ramp you can go. Yeah, now we're, we've actually had a Jeskai deck pretty recently with the uh, Mystic Intellect deck. You may remember that from the game nights that we played it on. Josh played not Savin the Chronoclasm, but he played Elsha of the Infinite on the top. Uh, and let's take a look at those stats just to see where we're at. They had 10 cards that did ramp. However, they didn't have the signets, but they did have cards like Savin's Reclamation, which we have talked about as a way for Mono White to ramp. Uh, it's sort of like in a roundabout way. Uh, they did have a myriad landscape, just like they did here, and then also a Temple of the False God. Their card draw was nine, but again, this deck has so many cycling cards in there that doesn't technically count as card draw because you're discarding a card and then drawing one, you're just replacing it closer to a cantrip. Uh, so I would say the card draw on that deck was actually weaker. They had four board wipes, and some of them, like the ones in here, uh, oh, sorry, the board wipes were, one of them was tradition, uh, not tradition, one of them wasn't like a full board wipe. It was rolling Templar, and it only deals two damage to each non-flying creature. So that's more like three and a half. Single target removal, five, and then flashback cards, which is sort of the main theme of the deck. There are 19. So that's nowhere near as many as cycling. Now, I think cycling has been printed a lot more throughout the history of Magic. It's almost an evergreen keyword, so that's, I think, why we're able to have a lot more in this deck. All right, so I think Wizards is doing a pretty good job hitting the category numbers each year now, and especially with the Commander Precons, I think they clearly know that these are meant to be played out the box, and the better experience you can have with them, the more fun you're just going to have overall, especially when you're playing them against each other. Yeah, the difference alone from going from 19 kind of uh, signature cards that fit in with the theme of the deck to 31, I think was the biggest 
move in the right direction in my opinion yeah now notably uh there are also 11 of the cycling lands that were included in this deck so there are a lot of lands that say pay two and cycle this or pay a blue and you can cycle it but in general i mean that's great that's a very flexible slot and it's awesome to have more value out of the land slot than just to have them be more basics especially since because with this commander you're basically trying to cycle into another card and if you get both abilities you're trying to draw basically two cards while discarding one so even if you do cycle a land on somebody else's turn you're likely to pick up another land that's able to cycle etc yeah so it's or another card that can cycle basically you should almost never be mana screwed with a deck like this right so maybe i should play it all right uh the deck value now we of course go through all of the reprints in the deck this does not include any of the new cards because we don't actually know what their prices are going to look like yet but we go through we take all of the reprint prices and we account for the value of the reprints at the time of this recording so we're doing this right now in the middle of march these prices may go up or down based on what happens in the market now when the deck releases they will most assuredly go down but we like to look at these as just a general standing point of like okay how much value is actually in this deck should you have gone out and bought all the cards by themselves right and in total this deck has $96.20 of reprints, which is pretty good, actually. Um, now, not the highest. We've seen a couple of the other decks go a little higher than this. Uh, we're not sure also what order this is coming out in, but you'll have to watch the other episodes to find out. So if you add up all of the $2 plus cards, you're going to get $72.50 of value. And if you add up all of the $5 cards, there are only six of them, you get $48. So that's actually pretty, uh, pretty interesting. There are a lot of $5 plus cards um, now let's talk about the notable reprints, the reasons why the, uh, that number is that high. And the first one is one that I think is a very popular commander. And we talked about this as well in the deck reveal, but one that hasn't been reprinted and has shot up in price because of its popularity. Yeah, this is a heater of a card and they definitely, uh, it's the most expensive card out of all of the decks that they reprinted and it's the locust God. And at the time of reprinting, this was 18. So, I mean, this alone covers about half of the cost of the deck. And just the fact that just the sum of the $5 plus cards are more than the cost of the deck, I think goes to speak to a little bit of them going in the right direction. And also, you know, those $5 plus cards are typically commander staples that have a little bit more stability in the market. So even if they do reprint these and they dip for a little bit, it's likely that they're going to level off at a still a pretty high level so. yeah they're going to dip and then grow back up over time because again this is the only time they're getting reprinted and once the commander card probably goes out of print then they're no longer entering the market right now the next five cards i'm about to mention are all artifacts or lands which is great because that means that these can go in any number of decks and if that's where the value is going to be in a deck i'm very very happy to see that so we have arcane signet uh, which was a card that was only printed in the brawl pre-constructed decks for a bit and then we have Skycloud Expanse, a land that acts sort of like a signet. Shivan Reef, which is a pain land. Reliquary Tower, which gives you no maximum hand size. And Fluctuator, which is something that makes your cycling abilities cost less to activate. So that right there, um, of the six cards over $5, five of them can be played in almost every single deck, except for the lands, depending on what your mana base is. But these are very flexible slots. I'm really happy to see it like this. And for me, just very glad that Wizards has 
seeing that lands are very important in Magic, I think they've included more of these in every single one of the decks as well. So it's great to see that they're adding more reprint value there. And for me as a collector as well, it makes me happy because I could always use another Shimmer Reef. Red and blue are my favorite colors. I have a lot of decks that run those colors and having a land like this is useful. Yeah, I think you touch on something really important that people buy into this to be able to kind of build up there and to be able to start out playing a game and to build up your mana base, as we've talked about many, many times, is probably the most effective thing that you can do for long-term getting into the game. And this is a great way to do it. Also, these Signet lands kind of have a very niche uh, place that they can put them. You know, Mm -hmm. to reprint them in standard or something like that might be weird for the set that they're trying to do. So this allows them to kind of like just put them into places that uh, they usually can't get them out. So yeah. And again, this is the year of Commander. So hopefully we get to see a lot more of stuff like this in the future. Okay, let's talk about who we should run as the commander of this deck. So, like Craig said earlier, the there are 31 cards in this deck that cycle. And there are 14 payoffs for those cycling cards. So, things that reward you for either drawing or discarding or, di- or cycling the card. Because, again, cycling involves the act of discarding and drawing and your cycling. So, anything that has any of those words in it are going to be a payoff or have some relation to cycling. There are eight token makers, including the commander, and there is only one card that abuses the tokens, which also is the other potential commander, Akeem the Soaring Wind. So I think we can take Akeem out of the equation. Akeem obviously is awesome. I hope to see people build around it, but there are not enough token makers or abusers in the deck, especially in these colors, uh, to really make it work. So I think it really just comes down to Gabby Nesswarden versus Bralin plus Shabraz. So why do you think these two are potentially a close argument? So Bralin and Shabraz in and of itself, uh, the fact that Bralin, whenever you discard a card, deals one damage, you know, you take Reliquary Tower out of the deck and you can really do a lot of damage with just those two cards. I mean, you wheel a couple times and then attack with Brawlin and Shabraz, and you've dealt, you know, potentially up to 40 damage within one turn. You know, right. if you're, you know, if we, one wheel effect for seven is essentially 40 damage. That's insane. Yeah, it, because, you know, you're going to be discarding up to seven cards potentially, or even more if you don't have any, uh, you know, or at the end of your turn, if you have a bunch of cards, you're also discarding. There's a lot of different ways to pump these guys up. I mean, just discarding seven adds seven power to both these creatures. Um, so you can get a lot of damage in. And with a deck that has a lot of cycling cards in them, you're also constantly cycling. Uh, I think, obviously, Gavi, as you out there probably also have assumed, is going to be the better commander, but it always is an interesting argument to see, hey, if I did decide to go Bralin and Shabraz, what do I do to the deck? How can I take it apart? What parts can I keep to make it work with those commanders? And I'm really interested to see what people come up with for those two. But for the sake of this deck tech, I think Gavi is by far the most powerful commander. Obviously, cycling for the first turn, time each turn for zero mana is almost unbeatable. Yeah, the so, built-in value is is incredible in this card. Yeah, again, we always talk about it. If you can never cheat a mana cost, if you can never pay zero for something, that means you are in a very good spot, and you should keep doing the thing that lets you pay zero because guess what? Your opponents aren't doing that, and so they're going to actually be slowed down quite a bit as a result and compared one, to you. One thing, too, about that, uh, that cycling ability is you're essentially looting for zero every turn as long as you have a cycle in your hand, mm-hmm. which I think looting is a bit underestimated 
in the commander community, you know, there's definitely a reason why they have a lot of looting cards like Merfolk Looter. You have to tap it to be able to loot because they want to limit the amount that you can do that. Right. You're filtering through your library every sec, every time you do that. It's, it's like scry plus, you know, you're, mm. you're able to draw that card and then discard a card. So I think being able to loot again for zero in and of itself is probably underestimated. Yeah. Technically you're rummaging because you're discarding first, but uh, the right. reason that it works really well with cycling is because you'll look at the card that has cycling on it and go, is this relevant on this board state? Do I need to have this or would I rather look for something else that I know I need to get? And so having that choice, I think, is really important because you know you're going to discard the cycling card no matter what to get the next card. But you get to do so for free and you get to do it multiple times. Yeah, great point about Merfolk Looter. It has to tap to do it. Um, even cards like Kid Jace, mm -hmm. uh, when it taps, you know, you will loot and you can't do that forever because at some point it's also going to transform. Let's talk about very quickly, out of the 100 cards that you get from WotC in this pre-con, what are the best cards in the deck? And the first one is one that's very near and dear to my heart. It's one that I believe goes in every single mono red deck or honestly any two color deck with red in here. It's Tectonic Reformation, one in a red for an enchantment. And it says each land card in your hand has cycling for a red mana. And you can also just cycle this card itself away for two mana. So this is one of the best ways to get out of land screw because it adds a, a ability to every single one of your lands when you draw it. If you have a red mana, you can toss that land and draw another one instead or draw another card. And it may not be a land, whatever it is. Uh, I think this card is just awesome. It only costs two mana to play. It's a card that I'm super, super high on. And I'm really glad that they reprinted it because I could see this card being something that costs a lot in the long run. So I'm glad that we have it here. It also, with the commander, you don't have to pay that. That red you now every land in your hand right is a free loot or a rummage spell yeah that's actually incredible so yeah. you always will have something to discard because you're going to either draw a card with cycling there are 31 in the deck or you're going to draw a land potentially so and then that's like you know you almost have a 70 80 percent chance of drawing one so you can just keep cycling every turn and hopefully making lots and lots of little critters as well and the cycling cost again is only red if you do have to pay it so not so bad the second one's a reprint. This is the second time they've ever reprinted this, and the, the last one was an old border, so you know mm -hmm. how long ago that was. <laughs> so it's called Fluctuator. It's two mana for an artifact that says, cycling abilities you activate cost up to two less to activate. Wow. That's great because a lot of cards that have this sort of ability will say you cannot, uh, the number cannot be zero after you reduce the right. cost. Fluctuator doesn't say that. And there are a lot of cards out there that cycle for just two mana. I didn't so, even think about that. That's As right. a result, you can just cycle something for free. So it kind of replaces what Gavin Nesswarden does on a lot of cards. Um, but again, having this, you know, if you're trying to draw two cards a turn, that means you cycle a card and you might have to cycle another one on an opponent's turn to get a 2-2 two -two dinosaur cat. So Fluctuator just makes that all the more possible so you literally pass the turn sometimes and you only have like three mana up or something but by the time it comes back to you you have three tutus yeah i think a lot of people might be might want to take this out because they're like oh my commander already does that but when you base your command when you base your whole deck around a certain mechanic and sometimes your mm -hmm. commander now costs nine mana it's nice to have that kind of consistency with another card in there so yeah yeah that's great this next one is very exciting. It's a new dinosaur, and it's not just any dinosaur. It's a surly badger-saur. It's a three and a red for a three-three badger dinosaur. Corey is really doing a lot combining these crazy creatures together. It says, whenever you discard a creature card, put a plus one, plus one counter on surly badger-saur. Very nice. Whenever you discard a land card, create a treasure token. Really nice. 
And whenever you discard a non-creature non-land card, Surly Bagisaur just fights up to one target creature you don't control. So you don't actually have to fight any creatures, it's up to one. But in this case, anytime you cycle a land away with something like Tectonic Reformation, you get a treasure token. So you actually kind of gain the mana back, even though it's temporary, but you do get an artifact, and you can tap and sacrifice it for a mana. So the land that you have in your hand isn't like completely going to waste. You get a draw card off it, and if this card is out, you get a treasure. This card's nuts. Yeah, this card's insane. I really, this is probably one of my favorite cards in the set, like in this new set, because it goes in Locust God, it probably goes in Nekusar. Yeah. This deck it's amazing in. Well, not to mention, yeah, it doesn't say when you cycle, it's when you discard. And discarding can happen any number of ways. Cycling just. Falcon Wrath. Yeah. Cycling just happens to have a discard, uh, you know, tagged onto it as part of the cost of the ability. So, Surly Badgersaur, keep an eye out for this one. This card's really cool. Yep. All right, the next one is a three-mana artifact. It's called Abandoned Sarcophagus. This is a recent reprint. Uh, It says, you may cast spells that have a cycling ability from your graveyard. Seems pretty good in this. Yeah. And then it keeps going on to say, if a card that has cycling ability would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So it kind of punishes you for having things that go into the graveyard if you didn't cycle them, but... If you just discard. Right. Yeah. But here, uh, this basically for three mana, let's say you've been cycling all game, you slam this down at the end, your hand has become the entire size of your graveyard, pretty much. Uh, a banned sarcophagus might be one of the most powerful cards in the deck, just because you're going to be cycling the entire game long, and being able to get those cards back without having to, you know, find a mnemonic wall type way of bringing a card back or fetching it out of your graveyard, a banned sarcophagus just gives you access to all of that. So, yeah. But if your creature does die and it goes to the graveyard, it gets exiled instead. So it's a bit, there's a bit of a downside side but i think for the amount it can grow your hand size in one go it's definitely worth it technically in quadrant theory it's good in two of the quadrants like okay to bad in two of the quadrants Mm -hmm. but with a deck like this where if you are cycling as much as you want to be you're filling up that graveyard so fast that you want access back to them after not a very long period of time so yeah totally it, it does make a lot more sense in this deck than in any other deck so far printed in my opinion I like it a lot. All right, next up we have the Locust God. We've already talked about this card. It's four, a blue and a red for a 4-4 flyer. And whenever you draw a card, create a 1-1 blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. You can also pay two, a blue and a red to draw a card, then discard a card. So that's looting. And then finally, when the Locust God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So obviously you can see what the synergies are here. Gabby creates a 2-2 if you draw two cards every single turn. The Locust God just gives you a 1-1 with haste anytime you draw a card. So oftentimes you'll play this and on that same turn, you'll create three, four, maybe even more flyers that can all swing in that turn or provide excellent defense. Um, The value you get from something like the Locust God is really powerful. Not to mention it has the activated ability to make its thing work. Four mana is a lot for that effect. But again, if you're in a bind, the Locust God kind of does everything you need to do. It's going to sift through your deck and make tokens. And more importantly, it has to get exiled if you want to get rid of it. Otherwise, it just goes back to your hand. Yeah. Pretty good. Not that it needs more selling points, but that that haste and uh, flying insect creature tokens definitely give you a lot of options as far as leaving them out for blockers or attackers. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. The card costs a lot for a reason. Hopefully that is going to drop right back down so i guess more people can play it i don't know why i'm wishing that upon myself <laughs> kyle hill's gonna be happy uh yeah kyle's always happy though <laughs> that's true all right next one's an enchantment uh it's called drake haven for two and a blue 
It says, whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, create a 2-2 Drake creature token with flying. Nice. So this card says whenever you cycle or discard, which is great. Again, very similar to a card like Surly Badger Store where it's it's okay. You can just discard. You can still get this effect. So something like the Locust God that helps you loot or a card like Anya Falcon Wrath if you happen to run, somehow run Drake Haven in the deck with that card as well. Um, you know, if it's a Grixis deck. Very good. Just discarding, paying one man to get a 2-2. Yeah, especially knowing that you're probably going to be getting free loot abilities or free uh, cycling abilities from your commander. So now it's only one mana to kind of get a 2-2 flyer. It's a little bit like Talrand, but you just basically have to put in one mana every other person's turn. So it does seem like a lot of value. Yeah, cycling for free again with Gavi every single turn. You could could come back and you could have three 2-2 drakes. Maybe you have three drakes and three dinosaur cats. That's a lot of power on the board in a single turn cycle. So the explosiveness is definitely possible with cards like this. Yeah, for potentially three mana, which is the nuttiest part. All right, Herald of the Forgotten is a six generic and two white, so eight mana total for a 6-6 creature cat beast flyer. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, return any number of target permanent cards with cycling abilities from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that is an eight mana card. Now that's a lot of mana, but in general, you want these cards to do a lot of work. And again, this is sort of the finisher alongside the Bandit Sarcophagus. You play Herald of Forgotten and boom, you get all of those cycling permanents back to the battlefield. That includes the land you've cycled away. That's pretty, pretty scary. Now keep in mind, this doesn't work with Tectonic Reformation because it only gives cycling to the cards in your hand. But there are plenty of cards that you'll see and we'll talk about throughout the rest of this show that would come straight back to the battlefield. Yeah, I think there's at least six lands in the deck that have cycling on them. So those would immediately come back. And those are the ones that I think give you the most value out of out of that card because you're now ramping at eight. Um, but also just the other permanents that come back in. It, yeah, your board could go from zero to hero real quick with a card like real that. Real fast. Yeah. And then the last card is one that's kind of a heater in and of itself, and you'll see a little bit later we'll get into why. It's called Astral Drift. It's two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle Astral Drift or cycle another card while Astral Drift is on the battlefield, you may exile target creature. If you do, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Now, it also has cycling for two and a white. That's great. So Astral Drift, uh, Astral Slide was the original sort of version of this card, but mm-hmm. this is something that says, hey, look, you cycle, you get a flicker. Not just that, you get a flicker target creature. So if your opponent's running a deck with a lot of tokens in it, your flickering can kill those cards. If your deck has a lot of enter the battlefield effects, you get a flicker those and regain that effect again. So Astral Drift, just very powerful. And not to mention, it cycles on its own. That's pretty cool. So let's say you don't even need it. Well, guess what? You can get rid of it. So just having that extra option It's pretty powerful. So I'm glad that they reprinted it here. Obviously, it's a perfect fit in the deck. Now, before we go on on what cards we want to add to the deck, let's talk about some of the cards that have a cycling bonus on them. And these are cards that you are able to cycle, and at the bottom of the card is going to have the text, when you cycle the name of the card, an additional effect is going to happen. So these are typically very powerful because it gives you an extra option. Not only are you cycling this card and you're drawing a card to replace it, but you can also somewhat cast the card at the same time. And the first one is Decree of Justice for XX2 White White. It's a sorcery that says create X44 White Angel creature, creature Tokens with Flying. So if X is equal to 1, this card costs 6 mana as a sorcery to create a 4-4 White Flyer. Not amazing. However, you can cycle it for 2 and a white. And when you cycle Decree of Justice, you may pay X. 
If you do, create X 1-1 white soldier creature tokens. So, very powerful. If you have Fluctuator out, this is 1 white plus X to make X 1-1s. If you have Gavi Nest Warren out, this is just free and you pay X and you get X 1-1. So, Decree of Justice is one of those cards that can definitely create a huge board presence out of nowhere thanks to the commander and other cards in the deck. Yeah, the fact that you can use Gavi for these to do it for free and then get an extra, basically, cast ability is pretty insane. I saw this one used uh, really well the other night when you guys were testing these decks out. Um, It's called Nimble Obstructionist. It's a bird wizard, 3-1, for two and a blue, with flash and flying, and cycling two and a blue. And it says, when you cycle Nimble Obstructionist, counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control. So if you do have your commander out, you can use this to cast it for free. Let's say you're, let's say I'm being real mean and you're just fetching, right? <laughs> well, I can, this, I can cycle Nimble Obstructionist for free and counter your, your, fetch, your fetch ability. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, <laughs> how, well what happened the other night uh, when we were testing this out? Did you see it get used? Do you remember? You were talking about you were talking about countering his cycling ability because he was using Myriad Landscape, and you were like, "Oh man, I could do this right now." Yeah, Josh because I was Myriad Landscape, <laughs> and I had Nimble Obstructionist in my hand, and I knew, even though we were just playing for funsies to test the decks out, if I stopped his Myriad Landscape from triggering, and the one that he had to pay two mana for, and the land had to enter tapped, it would set him back a million years, and he would probably never forgive me. So. That's something that Nimble Obstructionist can do. Very often we see effects that can stifle, uh, stop a targeted, uh, activated, or triggered ability. But you typically don't play those cards because when you think about when you would use them, they seem more mean than not. But Nimble Obstructionist, again, even just by itself, it's a 3-mana 3-1 Flash Flyer. And that, you know, can peck in for a lot of damage. It can be a great blocker to take out something that they don't expect. And at the end of the day, if you can cycle it and stop something disastrous from happening, even if it's like stopping one trigger of a Consecrated Sphinx so they don't draw two cards, that might be worth it. Yeah, it definitely comes into play when you least expect it. It's one of those cards where you hold it in your hand until something happens that you're like, oh, we can't even counter that ability. That's that's beyond. And that's when Nimble Obstruction really shines, is when you're like, yeah. oh, I didn't even think about that's an activated ability. We can counter that with this. I take back my Consecrated Sphinx comment, by the way, because you draw a card when you cycle it, so they're just going to get two cards anyway. But, you know, you can use it for other things. Just don't use it on the fetch land, because if you do, I don't think you'll ever make a friend again in that. It's true. Uh, the last card that we're going to talk about that has a cycle bonus is Dismantling Wave. It's a new card. It's two and a white for a sorcery. For each opponent, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment that player controls. So pretty good, right? Go around the table, you get to get potentially three artifacts or an artifact and two enchantments or any variation of that. And you can also cycle it for six white, white. And when you cycle Dismantling Wave, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. I really like this card because, for one, hopefully you're not cycling this for eight. You're cycling it for free at instant speed and blowing up everything. Also, if you don't want to do that, the card itself still does kind of the same effect on the top side of it, just for way less way less expensive. And it's something that could wipe out a lot of really important things and get up to three targets. So that's pretty darn good. I like this card a lot. Yeah, I like how modal that is, especially in this deck, because no matter what, you can get one of everybody's something, which it's all opponents, which that's good for you. But the other part where, let's say somebody is just getting out of control with an Enchantress deck or something like that. Or even like Josh Lee Kwai at the <laughs> end of the, uh, the Euro deck, right? When he's just got everything, great hinge out, all the enchantments. Sure, or somebody with an Urza deck and a bunch of artifacts. Now you can use its cycling ability, blow up everything. It does affect you, but I think that makes the card more fair and 
Oh yeah, if it only affected everyone else, and you could do it for yeah, your man in this deck, that'd be way yeah, too powerful. Yeah, it'd be way too powerful. So I think it's it's good it's good card design. Yeah. All right, lots more to talk about, but first, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. You can host the best backyard barbecue when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Do you follow automotive news? Or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey, and every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, oh, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. All right, now let's move on to the most exciting part of the episode where we talk about the cards we would add to this deck to make it better and tune it up. Uh, this first one is the older brother, cousin, slash relative of Astral Drift. It's Astral Slide. 
Everybody do the slide. It's two in the white for an enchantment and says, whenever a player cycles a card, you may exile target creature. If you do, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So basically Astral Drift, but it doesn't have the additional cycling ability at the bottom. Very powerful card. Uh, obviously, if you have Astral Drift in the deck, you're going to want to have Astral Slide as well, just as a little bit of backup. Um, and that's a card that we would add to this deck because, again, the Enter the Battlefield abilities that you can add on to this, or even the fact that it just disrupts your opponent's boards so much makes it a really powerful addition. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit more about what cards to add that make that really take off. But the next card that we want to add is called Elixir of Immortality. It's an artifact for one that says, for two and tap it, you gain five life. Shuffle Elixir of Immortality and your graveyard into your library. So the reason that this is good is the same reason that uh, Abandoned Sarcophagus is good is that Basically, this deck, if you're running properly, you're discarding so many cards that your graveyard becomes a resource, or it's a true graveyard full of a lot of your useful cycling cards. So late game, you do want to be able to have access to bring those back into your library to give you more gas for as you're cycling. Again, if you're living the dream with this general. So something like this can really help you just reset the tables. It shuffles itself back into your graveyard or into your library. So it is potentially able to do it again, which makes this really, really worth putting in, I think. I also see a lot of situations where you've cycled a bunch of cards that you would have liked to have played, but you had to cycle them away because you were looking for a more specific answer to whatever was happening at the table. So Elixir of Immortality comes into the game later in the game, or even earlier if you need some of those cards back, gains you some life, and more importantly, just gets those cards back into your library so that when you're cycling again, you might draw into them. You can just sort of keep the engine going. All right, next up we have a card that is from Battlebond. It's Toothy, Imaginary Friend. It's a three in the blue for a legendary creature, Illusion. That's a 1-1, one, one, and it partners with Pure Imaginative Rascal, so similar to how the partner works here, Braylon and Shabraz. Uh, Toothy says, whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Toothy Imaginary Friend. And when Toothy leaves the battlefield, draw a card for each plus one, plus one counter on it. So this obviously goes great with Astral Drift or Astral Slide. You're going to be cycling a bunch. You're going to be making this creature bigger and bigger. And then, boom, let's say I want to draw five cards. Well, Astral Drift is out. I'm going to cycle one more time and flicker this thing, and boom, it comes back to the battlefield later. But I draw cards equal to the number of the counters on it, and I don't need to worry about it getting removed because you can cycle at instant speed, so you can also protect to the as well. And if you're going to be cycling a lot, drawing a lot of cards, you're going to be putting a lot of plus one, plus one counters on this creature. You're already doing so every single turn when you just draw one card for your turn. Yeah, even if you don't have Astral Drift or Astral Slide, this card's just good in and of itself because you're going to be drawing so many cards, putting so many plus one, plus one counters on it, that even if they remove it from the game, it's a leave the battlefield effect. It's not a die effect. So uh, that's just huge. Yep, 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 yep. So the next one is just reprinted. It's called Idyllic Tutor. It's a sorcery for two and a white that says, search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Very nice. So the reason this card is good is the synergistic cards that you really want to have out while you're cycling are mostly enchantments in this. So uh, Astral Drift, Astral Slide, obvious ones if you have one of these draw effects on a creature like we're about to get to. But also, you know, just Drake Haven, Tectonic Reformation. Right. It just, it it all makes sense. So you get to search for the thing that you need. And in red, white, and blue, you don't see that very often, but 
Thank goodness they just reprinted Idyllic Tutor. Yeah, thank goodness indeed. Thank you, Theros, for having enchantments. Okay, <laughs> next up, the cycling synergy ends with Cloud of Fairies. It's one in a blue for a 1-1 flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, you untap up to two lands. However, this card also can cycle. So cycling for two, just pay two to discard this card and draw a card. So fits perfectly within the theme of the deck. And if you have something like Astral Drift or Astral Slide Out, this means you every time you cycle, you get to untap two lands when this comes back into the battlefield. That means you're going to have more man to use Gabby's ability. And in general, just very, very powerful. You know, you could find a lot of cards that untap lands when they come in the battlefield. Peregrine Drake also would work in this slot. However, Cloud of Fairies does have cycling on it. So that means it's going to synergize synergize with fluctuator which means you can now cycle it for free it does synergize with a banner sarcophagus or drake haven or any of the other cards that care about discarding and drawing so again very powerful it has cycling on it and more importantly it opens up your mana so that you can continue the cycle train going from turn to turn I think people might underestimate the power of untapping two lands. There is a Teferi that, with the five-man Teferi, that sort of has dominated standard for a bit because it untaps two lands and allows control decks just to hold up just enough mana. Absolutely. And that's really powerful. Yeah, the fact that it can untap two lands and it has cycling and it has flying as a 1-1. You know, this card has kind of seen a little bit of a spike in the foils lately. So Manson and I, when we were putting together our thoughts on this, we were like, oh, please don't be too expensive. Please don't be too expensive. <laughs> and it's not. It's about $1.25, $1.50. So, um, Good card. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up, we're going to talk about how to draw another card and get a cat token. So there are a bunch of good cards here that do that. You want to read the first one? Yeah, first one is the most expensive card we're recommending you add because it's basically this deck's Panharmonicon. It's called El Hamaret's Archive. It's a five-man artifact, legendary artifact, that says, if you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. Okay. The second part says, if you would draw a card except for the first card you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. Huh. Well, uh, so I pass my turn to you, Craig. Yep. I'm going to draw a card off of cycling. It's not the first one I've drawn in my draw step because it's not my turn. I'm going to draw two cards. And discard one. So you're getting an advantage of one card every turn. Wow. For free off of the ability. It's just... You're also triggering Gavi, so you're going to get a 2-2. So this might be low-key one of the best cards in the deck to add. It's just very powerful, right? It's right. it's something that if you have ways to constantly and consistently draw cards, then you're going to be drawing a ton, especially because you're never doing so on your turn. You're almost always passing the turn and waiting for someone else to finish their turn or do something that you need to respond to or that you need to cycle and start going through your deck. So at Hallmark's Archive, make sure that every single time you cycle for the first time on someone else's turn, you're going to get a 2-2. Very powerful. Uh, next up is a card that is a House Unlimited, but turns out very, very good in decks that can abuse it. It's Cloud Blazer. Three blue and a white for a 2-2 flyer, human scout. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life and draw two cards. However, with Astral Drift and Astral Slide, this means that you could be doing this over and over again every single time you cycle, which is so, so powerful. You're going to gain so much life off of this. It's also synergizes great without Harmon's Archive because you gain way more life as well. And you're just drawing a bunch of cards, making tokens, and living the dream. Yeah, getting uh, a, a dinosaur cat every turn, getting like, yeah. Count me in. Mold Drifter also has a very similar effect. It costs a little bit less because you can pay three mana to cast Mold Drifter. And with its evoke trigger on the stack, before you have to sacrifice it, you can cycle something with Astral Drifter, Astral Slide Out, flicker the Mold Drifter, and then it's going to come back on the battlefield and stay there because it's seen as a new copy of the card and then doesn't know that it was evoked. You tricked it. And you're going to draw four cards off that one. Yeah, that's uh, powerful. <laughs> Next one's called Wall of Omens. It's a creature, 
for one in a white zero four defender. It says when wall of omens enters the battlefield, draw a card. And this was, we were trying to look for an elvish visionary basically in these colors. And there's not too many. There's a few that loot like merfolk trader, owl familiar, uh, Vendeline merchant. Mm -hmm. And then there's three mana ones that will draw a card like tomb raider merchant secrets, uh, and council of advisors. But for the most part, there weren't too many just two mana draw card when this creature enters the battlefield. Right. But Wall of Omens fills that spot and combined with, again, Astral Drift or Astral Slide, you now, whenever you cycle a card, you flicker that Wall of Omens. When it enters the battlefield, now you get a cat token. You've drawn your second card per turn. So it just turns into a an engine that just gets you a token on everybody else's turn. You draw two cards, discard one on everybody's turn. So. Yeah, pretty good. I like Wall of Omens a lot. It's just one of those cards that sneaks by but has a lot of great value and can hold the fort down while everyone looks at you jealously. <laughs> Next up is Afara, God of the Polis. Two blue and a white for a legendary enchantment creature god that's a 6-5 with indestructible. And as long as your devotion to white and blue is less than 7, Afara isn't a creature, so she basically acts as a, an enchantment for the most part. And at the beginning of each upkeep, if you had another creature enter the battlefield under your control last turn, draw a card. So let's say you play Afara and then you have one creature enter the battlefield, you pass the turn. You had a creature enter the battlefield under your control last turn, and it's the beginning of your opponent's upkeep, you draw a card. That's your first card of the turn. You can just cycle something else this turn for free and draw a second card and make a 2-2. Two -two. Yep. If you have Astral Drift, you're going to flicker your creatures back and forth and they're going to keep entering the battlefield over and over again. So each upkeep Afara is going to trigger as well. You're just going to go nuts with this combo and especially if you have Astral Drift, Astral Slide out, you're going to draw so many cards and make so many tokens. And the great part about it is you don't even need Astral Drift or Astral Slide with that because now every turn, so let's say you have a creature come into play on your turn. Now I pass to you. On your turn, I draw a card because a creature came in. I cycle for free because my commander's out. That's my second. Uh, oh a, yeah, that's a right. A dinosaur cat comes into play. Now a creature entered that, that turn. That's a good Goes point. on to the next person. I draw a card. So now for free, every turn, you're getting a cat, two cards, discarding one. It's uh, quite an engine. I didn't even think about it that way. So that's actually insane because Afara yes. is just going to trigger because Gavi works perfectly with that uh, legendary god. Pretty awesome. All right, let's move on to our final category and the last card we would add to this deck. And it's just a finisher because you're going to be doing a lot of twiddling in this deck. Uh, you're going to be cycling cards, discarding, drawing, and doing all sorts of stuff and making a bunch of tutus. But you need a way for those tutus to get in and deal damage. So we have the wonderful, of course, Aven Wind Guide, which is a card from the Amon Kep block. It's a 2-3 for 2 blue and a white with flying and vigilance. And the main thing it says here, it says creature tokens you control have flying and vigilance. This also has the embalmment mechanic on it, which means for four, a blue and a white, you can exile this card from your graveyard and you create a token that's a copy of it, except it's also a white zombie bird warrior with no mana cost and you can only embalm as a sorcery. But this means that you get to cast this card twice. Right. And casting this card twice is very important because people will want to remove it once all of your 2-2 two, two red and white dinosaur creature tokens uh, become flyers with vigilance, no less. Yeah, we were definitely looking for a way to kind of create a more threatening board state once you have all these tokens out. And Manson found this card that just the fact that you can get it back if you either need to cycle it or if you've cast it once, it's been destroyed, you can still get it back. And that in Commander is there is no kind of value that you can place on that. Being able to play a card twice is very, very valuable. Yeah. 
And Especially if someone has to remove it and they're like, crap, I, I'm just gonna have to kill spell, I have to board wipe because it's too crazy. Getting the Avon wind, uh, wind Guide back just that easily without having to, for instance, escape and exile our cards out of graveyard. No, you just pay a little extra mana and boom, it's back. Right. Now let's talk about the cards that we're going to take out of the deck. Uh, the first three are the cards that, or the first two, sorry, are cards that we've taken out of pretty much every single deck tech, spoiler alert, but are, they are the impetuses or the impeti. So we have martial impetus and psychic impetus. These are both enchantments that goad creatures that you attach them to, which means that they have to attack each combat, but they cannot attack you or a planeswalker. Um, and they have to attack if able. And they all give a little bit of stuff. So psychic impetus says whenever an enchanted creature attacks, you scry two. Martial Limited says whenever enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one, plus one till end of turn. Now, with the Mardu deck, we talked about this. I'm not sure if that episode comes out before this one, but Martial Impetus is one of the only cards in the Impetus cycle that you might potentially want to keep in the deck because you can always go to one of your own creatures and then it becomes an Anthem effect because whenever that creature attacks, every other creature that's attacking one of your opponents, and if it's on your own creature, that's going to be all your creatures, they get plus one, plus one until end of turn. But otherwise, I think these are a little too clunky. They're a little too cute. And a lot of times you don't want to actually have this effect on the battlefield because when it gets down to 1v1, let's say it's you and the person you cast all these impetuses on, well, now they can definitely attack you because you're the only person that they can attack and you're going to get all that damage going straight to your face. So the benefit, I think, on the other end of it might not make these worth it. Next one is a creature insect. It's called Agitator Ant. It's a 2-2. For two and a red, it says, at the beginning of your end step, each player may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. Goad each creature that had counters put on it this way. So for a two, two ant for three, kind of uh, not that good. But also the fact that you, they get to choose where they put the plus one plus one counters kind of makes it not... Very scary. Yeah, right. Imagine if it was a infect creature. Let's give it like two plus that. one plus one counters. I mean, I like imagine that. if it was just any scary creature. Jimmy, because, this card's red. You should play this again. Well, you that. only goad the creature one time, which is the problem with Agitator Ant. And it, again, after that turn, if the Agitator Ant is gone, well, guess what? That creature can now swing at you and it's bigger. That's not great. Yeah, and I think you hit on the main thing about goad, which is, sure, it might be good early in the game, but late game, if you're succeeding and to the last two people, that goad doesn't work anymore. And you've just basically given those people a buff on their creature. Yep. Next up, card we want to remove is Portal Mage, 2 in the blue for a 2-2 with Flash, Human Wizard. When Portal Mage enters the battlefield during the Declare Attacker step, you may reselect which player or Planeswalker target attacking creature is attacking. Again, this is kind of a cute combat trick, gets you a creature onto the battlefield, but the effect, I think, this is one of those slots in these decks that Wizards prints to just sort of give you a card to put in other decks. Maybe it's a fun one, maybe it's a group hug deck because you're choosing who's attacking what doesn't synergize with the commander and more importantly it just doesn't seem that great sure you get to potentially sometimes swing a big creature into a 1-1 with death touch but it's a one-time effect it's not something that i think you want to do because you have to flash it in during the declare attacker step yeah you don't want to play this card against me you definitely don't want to play this card against me yeah specifically because i don't like to play big haymakers or anything like that no never Uh, so the next one is called Bonders Ornament. It's a three-mana artifact that has both uh, ramp and card draw on it, although the card draw is pretty not that good. It says tap, add one mana of any color. So it's basically a monolith. And then it says four and tap it. Each player who controls a permanent named Bonders Ornament draws a card. 
So these cards were made for the pre-con environment. All of the decks have Bonders Ornament in them, but as a three mana rock that just adds one mana of any color, you could do a lot better than that. And in general, you want to do better than that. Yeah, I think they were looking for something to attach a draw spell to, like draw and ramp. But I feel like the fact that this affects everybody, I really feel like they could have reduced the cost on it to maybe like two or something like that. Because now it incentivizes other people who have it to be able to draw. Yeah. And it, no, it also incentivizes party. you to use it. Just four tap for a draw spell because that's almost like five because that's used for ramp as well. Yeah, yeah. You can't tap so, the ornament for mana anymore. Yeah. So now it's kind of like five to draw and you're potentially giving other players draw as well. Just, uh, yeah. Doesn't seem great. Yeah. Uh, another card we would recommend removing is a card that I think is actually really interesting. It's Cryptic Trilobite, XX for a zero zero creature, and it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So it's kind of like Walking Bliss. If you pay two mana, it comes in as a one one. If you pay four mana, it comes in as a two two. And you can remove a plus one plus one counter from Cryptic Trilobite, add colorless, colorless mana. Spend this mana only to activate abilities. And of course, you can grow the Trilobite as well by paying one and tapping it to put a plus one plus one counter on it. So really interesting. Anytime you can remove a counter from something at instant speed to add mana or do something else, it's, it's very powerful. But this is not specifically something that I think you want to be doing in this deck necessarily. Um, there are already a lot of ways to reduce the cost of things. You already have your fluctuators and your gavies. Cryptic Trilobite, I think, is a potentially a good fit for another deck out there. I'd be, I would love to see what people want to do with this card. I think there's a lot of possibilities, and I'm sure a lot of them also involve going infinite with a card like this. Yeah, I think it has a lot of opportunity, and I think in a deck like uh, Gave or something like that is where we're going to see it do its most work. Um, next one's called Zenith Flare. It's an instant for two red-white. It says Zenith Flare deals X damage to any target, and you gain X life where X is equal to the number of cards with cycling ability in your graveyard. So late game, this might be an all right card, but early game, mid game, it just, it's very conditional. And for four mana for an instant, even though it does do something that might help you out, it's just so conditional that you can add more to the deck to make it more consistent. Yeah, I mean, four mana, let's say it does two damage. I'm not happy with that. Four mana, if it does four damage, I'm still actually not that happy with that. I'd, I would want this card to be doing six or seven for me to feel like, all right, that was super worth it. But that also means that you have six or seven cycling cards in your graveyard. And if you draw this early in the game, it's almost like you didn't draw a card at all. Um, now, you do get the ability to go through your deck and power it up and find more uh, cards to put into your graveyard. But I think for four mana, it might just be a little overcosted. Speaking of overcosted, we have the Savai Thundermane, which is red and a white for a creature elemental cat 3 2. And it says whenever you cycle a card, you may pay two mana. When you do, Savai Thundermane deals two damage to target creature and you gain two life. No thanks. So two mana to do two damage to a creature and you gain two life is, I don't think, enough here because you're only doing it to creatures. It's not any target. It's also two mana and you're trying to cycle cards for cheap and do it a lot. So that's a big tax to be paying. Uh, it's one of those cards where I drew it when I was testing the deck and I looked around the board and I looked at my cards in my hand and decided, you know what, this isn't even worth the investment to put it down as a 3-2 creature. Yeah, Drakehaven is just so much better for something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you want to read this guy? Yep. So another card that, again, goes well in a lot of other decks, but just the way that this deck is built, probably not built specifically for this, is Windfall. It's a sorcery for two and a blue that says each player discards their hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. 
So it's a great way to kind of like mess with your opponent's hands and strategies, as well as refill everybody's hands to potentially somebody has more than seven in, in their hand or something like that. And works really well in Braylon and Shabraz. But in this deck, it's just you, you'd rather have a cycling card, basically, or something that takes further advantage of the the cycling effects that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think, again, if you're building this again, Bralin and Shabraz, then, yeah, you want the windfall effects. You want the wheel effects. You want the things that are going to make everyone discard. Uh, in this case, it may do more harm than good. Uh, I think you would only use it as a last-ditch resort in case your hand was all lands and you didn't have any cyclers in there. Then you'd want to cast something like Windfall. But you're churning through your deck already with all the cards in here, and you're doing so for real cheap. So Windfall just seems like it's a good card potentially in the deck, but maybe not for this specific build. The last card we would get rid of would be Temple of the False God. We have always had people complain about this card and tell us how it's bad and all that stuff, and we actually have it in the opening sequence of Game Nights, which I always find is funny. You see us tucking it into an Ultra Pro sleeve. Uh, it's my hand doing that, by the way. Um, that was five years ago? Yeah, <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. It was back in my apartment we filmed that. Temple of the False God, this deck already has 39 lands, and the two mana that you get off Temple of the False God, it's sure, it's great, but again, you don't want to draw this in your opening hand, even if you're cycling stuff constantly. Uh, it's not the sort of thing that you, you would much rather put just, I don't know, any other card that has cycling on it that has more synergy with your commander. Well, Manson and I sat for a while and kind of discussed, okay, do you take out this or a mountain? Right. Mm -hmm. And we basically came to looking through everything and looking at the mana cost of everything that the mountain in more scenarios is going to help you stabilize faster. The fact that you can't throw out extra lands with these colors without adding something like a bobble or something like that just means that your your Temple of the False God is at minimum you know, working on turn five. Yeah. Like, or at maximum working at turn five, however you want to look at it. It's the earliest it, it turns on is turn five, yeah. basically. And so it just, it, it made it more likely that you'd want to have your colored mana for something that happens earlier in the game rather than potentially being locked out and having a dead card. Yeah, totally. Okay, we want to talk about very quickly some cards worth mentioning. Now, some of these cards obviously were far outside of our $25 uh, guide. So, uh, Consecrate Sphinx, very good card in this deck. Obviously, with Gavi out, you're going to be drawing two cards, making tokens every single turn. Yep. Ristic Study, same sort of thing. You're going to be drawing a lot of cards already, and this is going to help tax your opponents and get you more 2-2s. If you went for the full-on, I'm going to blast out as many tokens as I can. You've got Perforos, God of the Forge, and Impact Tremors, both cards that deal damage when creatures enter the battlefield under your control. Warstorm Surge kind of does the same thing here. It's going to do its power damage and its power to any target. And if you're constantly just blasting people for two with your little tutus that come in, that's obviously pretty good. Anointed Procession, uh, a white card that doubles your tokens, which is pretty sweet. Uh, one of those cards that we didn't think, I didn't think could ever exist, but here it is. Thank you, zombies. Divine Visitation is a great way to turn your uh, little 2-2s and your little 1-1s into 4-4 four, four White Angel Creature Tokens with Flying and Vigilance instead. Pretty powerful. Um, and you have Cathar's Crusade. We talked about this in the Mardu deck. Anytime you're making a lot of creatures, ways to make them buffer and more strong is always very important. And at the same moment, you can also use cards like Eldrazi Monument, which gives your creatures... Uh, Big, big plus one, plus one with flying and indestructible. And you're likely to be able to sacrifice one creature every turn, which is its, its Very main easily. cost, right? Yeah, because you because have Gavi and all that. Exactly. Um, and then there were two cards that had, when you cycle X card, this card, it does something. Uh, and they're kind of mean. 
But Decree of Silence is one that you may have been surprised we did not mention. It's a six blue blue and enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter that spell and put a depletion counter on Decree of Silence. If there are three or more depletion counters on Decree of Silence, sacrifice it. You can also cycle this for four blue blue, and when you cycle it, you may counter target spell. So this basically becomes a pact navigation slash force of will with Gavi Nest Warden. Yeah, for everybody, which kind of stinks. We try to promote a healthy playgroup here, which is yeah. why we we don't love didn't this recommend part. this in the main tent. <laughs> if you play this for eight mana, and Josh did play this once for eight mana, it will just take over the game, and every single player might have to contribute to basically get rid of it, and it puts the person that played it at such an advantage. It's definitely one of the saltier cards to play against. Same with the other decree, decree of annihilation Ugh. for eight red red. It's a sorcery to exile all artifacts, creatures, and lands from the battlefield. All cards from all graveyards and all cards from all hands. Never do that. You can also cycle it for five red red, and when you cycle it, destroy all lands. Never do that either. Now, one thing I will say is if you're ever going to do that, this may be the deck to do it in because <laughs> because at least you're going to be, regardless, if you have your, your general out, you're likely to be further ahead because now your cycling abilities cost zero. So you yeah. don't need lands for them. So now if your general's out and you're able to, if you have the setup and you're able to create a token on everybody else's turn, right. it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to catch up. So if you can end the game quickly. And, and you know <laughs> you're going to be able to end the game. And you know you're going to be able to do it. I... I would be all for somebody doing that in this deck specifically. Yeah, and the scary thing about those cards is you're cycling them to get an effect. You're not casting them, so you can't just counter it either. It's an right. effect. So it's it's very powerful. Nimble Obstructionist. Nimble Obstructionist. Everyone play it. Okay, um, and I think the last thing I wanted to talk about were there are a lot of cards in Magic's history that like cycling and discarding. Um, now, cards like Curator of Mysteries is something that when you cycle or discard a card, you scry one, and you can cycle it for blue. And there's also, I think, a whole direction you can take this deck if you're truly evil to make it a mill deck because you're drawing a bunch of cards and there are a lot of cards that say when you draw a card someone's gonna mill so you got psychic corrosion sphinx's tutelage memory erosion that's when other players cast spells um fraying sanity these are all very very powerful with a card like gavi ness warden again i wouldn't recommend building mill decks in general i find that players tend to hate them more than love them but that's a route you could go with this as well because again the one thing you're doing a lot in this deck is drawing cards and discarding cards so if you want to abuse that effect there's lots of different ways to do it and uh unfortunately milling is one of them <laughs> and uh, quick tip this card was recently banned in more formats Underworld Breach mm. it's one in red for an enchantment and says each non-land card in your graveyard has escape the escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard uh, however at the beginning of the end step you sacrifice Underworld Breach so this is a card that again you play it you're going to be able to get all those cycling cards back uh, on that single turn it's it might be something you want to look into and the card recently just went down in price again so yep. red yard hardy, must will not hardy, too bad hard yeah all right that is going to do it for our deck tech slash upgrade guide to the Jess Guide Timeless Wisdom deck. If you have any, to the listeners, let us know what you think about the deck. What do you think about Gavi Nestwar? Do you think Wizards maybe pushed this card a little too far? Or do you think it's just at the right balance and the cycling decks are all going to rejoice because finally they have a commander that is clearly the best commander for cycling? Yeah, how would you build Gavi and how and would you choose Gavi or one of the other commanders in this deck? Yeah, I want to see an Akim build as well. I think too. that'd be really exciting. 
And of course, let us know if we missed any cards. Uh, again, we're doing these a little bit early, and we do our best to try and figure out all the cards that we think belong in these decks, but we don't always do it justice. And if we miss those cards, well, hey, you might want to tell us in the comments, and you might want to go pick them up yourself as well by visiting cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That's our affiliate link for the show. All you have to do is type that into your browser, and blammo, you are on the Card Kingdom website. You can browse all of their cards, singles, sealed product, and more. Purchase them to your delight. Get the Ikoria set. Get the Ikoria pre-cons. Lots of time lots of cool stuff coming out and lots of really awesome singles i can't wait yeah. for all of these cards to hit the market this set looks insane yeah this some set the, looks insane some of the mechanics in this set are pretty wild fun. very yeah, fun. fun yeah yeah you're gonna go crazy with them and of course the art is also insane and ultra pro is the company that supports this show and they make a bunch of beautiful art play mats wall scrolls uh deck boxes sleeves that accompany each set so if you really want to bling out your experience and make it look like you are just set to go you are the cycling deck then hey, you should go ahead and buy some Ultra Pro product. That is how you're going to suit up all of your cards. Keep them protected and keep them safe. A lot of these cards, these new commanders are foil as well, so maybe you want to double-sleeve them. Who knows what you want to do. Either way, make sure that you don't damage your cards. All right, no end step today because we are doing so many of these episodes, so we're just going to move right on to the cleanup step. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team is Josh Lee Kwai. Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Alfred Asaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo, and of course, Craig Blanchett. Craig, thanks for being I on the show today. celebrated too early there. Thank you. I much. know. Well, you're always <laughs> celebrating, so that's okay. That's Craig, true. if people want to find Mr. Infect online, where can they get at you? At Craig Blanchett on Twitter. It's pretty simple. Yep. You should probably do it. Yeah. Uh, and special thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that live behind us here on set, as well as in front and at the end of our Command Zone podcast at youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. You can find Jeffrey online at Living Cards MTG. Ah, that does it, Craig. Nice. The episode's over. I had fun. I know. We always have fun here at the Command Zone. Even if we are uh, in some crazy times right now outside in the world, everyone, please stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Don't forget, one thing that we touch constantly with our hands are our cards. So wash your hands before you touch your decks and make sure that if you borrow a deck to someone that they wash their hands before handling it as well. Normally we say, hey, can I look at that card across the table? And you're like, yeah, for sure. Be a little more careful about that these days, especially if you're playing in playgroups. Otherwise, I would recommend to take it online or do a Skype call and point a camera down at your desk. I have done that before. I have too. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. All right, everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening, and we will see you next time. Peace. Ooh, nice. You got it. <laughs> thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. 
Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.